The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome along to The Big Red Bench this Saturday evening and a great show coming up for you. We'll round up a big day of FA Cup action. There was a cracker between Fulham and Sunderland earlier on. Still two games to go as well. Spurs have just kicked off against Preston and Man United are playing Reading later. Paul Ince returning to Old Trafford as Reading manager. The Allianz Leagues are back. Dublin and Kildare are currently in action in Croke Park. It's Dublin 1-6-2, 6 points against Kildare. And uh, of course tomorrow Cork play their first game. John McCarthy joins us to preview that clash against Meath as well as the ladies game against Watford that one is in Kilkenny tomorrow we'll get into that later champion jockey Paul Townend speaks to us about the Hay campaign as well the mental health awareness campaign and loads more besides that's all between here and seven Aidan Leahy here with you until 7 o'clock on the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. And uh, yeah, a lot of live sport going on today and lots of GA as well. And um, it's starting to become a theme of a lot of the discussions and conversations that I'm having um, at the moment about the amount of games that are currently taking place and high level games as well you know at the moment we have the uh, the third level um, competitions going on of course Sigerson, Fitzgibbon Ryan Cup um, as well and obviously the second tier football as well and start the Allianz Leagues we only had kind of the McGrath Cup and the Munster Hurling League there um, and it's January you know Cork uh, the, the Cork footballers play their fourth game of the month tomorrow yeah it's their first league game it's their fourth game of the month they'll have played Kerry they'll have played Clare um, and they'll have played Limerick in the McGrath Cup final and they're playing Meath tomorrow in, in the National League and uh, it's a bit crazy and I'm just looking at Dublin Kildare here it's on in Croke Park which I can't believe it's on in Croke Park by the way first of all especially after the discussion about the pitch last weekend after the club finals obviously that paled in significance to the wider discussion about that uh, match in the end and there's still no um, decision made on, on the replay in that final but I don't think it will be at this stage between Kilmacud and, and Glen. but the pitch here in Croke Park it's not looking much better like this game like all I'm seeing is empty seats in Crow Park. Why is this game not on in, in Parnell Park? You know, uh, Dublin won seven, Kildare six points there. Um, earlier today, Derry opened their league campaign with a 16 points to four point victory over Limerick at own big. Massive scoreline there. Limerick is well under new management, um, it must be said. Um, boss Rory Gallagher summed up the performance. Oh, listen, uh, I suppose you come into the game and you want wins or, and you don't want losses and we won the game, we won it very comfortably. Listen, it was far from a perfect performance but look, not a useful enough workout and the, you know, the pre-season competition's grand and we bit high profile in us for us playing to our own but it is almost irrelevant, you know, so today is more important and it's good to we winning and uh, we move on now this week. Yeah, and uh, also other big games on as well this evening. It's a Connacht Derby. Mayo playing Galway in Castle Bar and at 7 Monaghan take on Armagh so uh, a lot of big games on today uh, including that one in Croke Park but uh, it must be said Derry continuing their um, 
promising couple of seasons and it's going to be a tough one when Cork come to them and myself and John McCarthy have a kind of wider discussion as well about the rest of the league and what the league may have in store for Cork uh, we'll hear that later on in the show um, Meath recorded their first win of the campaign in Division 1 of the Little National Ladies Football League Mary-Kate Lynch's goal midway through the second half helped the All-Ireland champions to a 175 points victory at Donegal Kerry made it two wins from two on the road Chauffeur O'Shea Louise Nemar hurtig and Lorraine Scanlon found the net as they beat Mayo 3-5 to 13 points in rugby Munster came from behind to beat Benetton 40-30 in Treviso the bonus point win sees Graham Rountree's charges leap above the Italian side in the URC table Leinster League Cardiff 19-0 in the URC clash at the RDS Max Deegan and a brace of tries from Luke McGrath has the Blues in front um, elsewhere Coronivory as well um, obviously I suppose expected to be around this time of year to be fair St Francis's College Rochestown are into the Coronivory final they beat fellow Cork side CSN Bishopstown won 10 to 7 points in Mallow in the other side of the draw it was another all well, an all Cork uh, affair in Mallow and an all Kerry affair in Killarney uh, the same versus Montauk and it was the same of Killarney that defeated Montauk um, the Tralee School 216-13 points the final score there so the same versus Rochestown in that current Ivory final should be a good one and uh, commiserations to Bishopstown uh, congratulations to Rochestown uh, right um, Munster Senior Cup quarter final action as well today Ringmahan Rangers an absolute thriller against Treaty United unfortunately Ringmahan came out on the wrong side of it it went all the way to extra time uh, the Cork side equalised late in normal time and it ended up 4-3 after extra time. Uh, more drama in the Munster Senior League Premier Division. Blarney United scored late on to beat Avondale United 1-0. And the Cork City women's were in pre-season action against Wexford Youths in Yall. The Rebel Army lost 3-2 there. Now, uh, it's Preston and Tottenham are... The uh, game underway at the moment is just kicked off in the last few minutes. Here's Shane Pennington uh, giving the team news just before kickoff. Preston boss Ryan Lowe makes two changes from the side that won at Birmingham last time out. Ched Evans and Ben Whiteman are the players to come in. They replace Ben Woodburn and Liam Delap. Whilst for Tottenham, Antonio Conte makes seven changes from the side that won one at Fulham last Monday night. Only Rodrigo Bentacor, Ivan Perisic, Dejan Kalasevsky and Son keep their places. Harry Kane and Arno Danjuma are both on the bench. At Deepdale, it's Preston and Tottenham. Yeah, and later on then, it's United versus Reading. Manchester United boss Eric Ten Hag insists he's done nothing special to get Marcus Rashford back to his best English strikers. Ten goals in as many games in all competitions. Rashford will look to continue that goal-scoring form when Paul Ince's side come to Old Trafford. Just going to get a, a score check on Spurs versus Preston. And it is still nil all there after the first seven minutes. Now let's jump into a few of the full times. It was Southampton to Blackpool 1. Mick McCarthy's first game, of course, as Blackpool manager. Here's Alan Lewis. Southampton 2, Blackpool 1, victory for the home side, but they were certainly made to work for it at times. Roman Perot's free kick gave Southampton a deserved lead in the first half, 
Poveda Acampo missed a glorious chance to equalise before Perot got a second after some neat play between himself and Sekumara. You thought that was game over, but Charlie Patino pulled a goal back five minutes later. Blackpool pushed forward in search of an equaliser, but they just couldn't carve out the chance they needed to take the tie to a replay. Southampton into the hat for round five of the FA Cup for the third year in a row. It's finished Southampton 2, Blackpool 1. Yeah, and speaking of replays, there'll be quite a few replays, one of which will be Fulham and Sunderland. And I'll definitely be keeping an eye out to, as to when that game is going to be on because it was an absolute cracker. Sunderland really should have won it. They, they should have won it possibly. It could have been 3-0 at halftime. Um, Sunderland were just, they were creating everything. Fulham were pinned in. Uh, Fulham eventually got an equaliser in the second half. Amid Diallo, the Manchester United loanee, looked really, really good. Now, missed missed a couple of guilt-edged ch- chances as well. Um, but Sunderland looked looked really good, you know, under Tony Mowbray. It's not exactly you wouldn't exactly think of him as being, you know, he's he's not exactly Marcelo Bielsa, is he? But that Sunderland team are great fun to watch and they they could and should have won it at the end. Uh well they could have won it at the end. There was an offside call, obviously it was correct offside call, it, it was offside, but um almost history made um, I'm trying to get the, the young guy's name his name, his second name was Rig he came on as a substitution uh, Chris Rig, 15 years of age came on as a sub for Patrick Roberts um, Amadiello made a move down the right played it in ball squared across goal Chris Rig absolutely roosted into the net I think I actually hit the crossbar and went in unbelievable scenes and then the offside flag went up because you know those moments where you're watching a game and they pan to the substitution and the commentator gets going and he's like what a story this will be he could be the youngest ever FA Cup uh, score, goal scorer and then it happens but then it's called back for offside but at least it wasn't a VAR check the, the linesman just put his flag up there was about there was about three yards in it to be fair but yeah that uh, an absolute cracker I haven't sorry I apologise I'm supposed to play the actual full time report of this here's Chris Cave uh, probably doing a much better job than what I just did Fulham won, Sunderland won a thoroughly entertaining game here at Craven Cottage. Captain Tom Kenny strike levelling for Fulham after their lower league opponents had taken an early lead when Jack Clark dispossessed Issa Diop before slotting home coolly after just six minutes. The championship side thought they'd won it late on when Christopher Rigg buried a close range effort, but the linesman's flag was up after Abdullah Bar was judged correctly to be offside in the build-up to that one. Fulham also had chances at the death to win it, but it's finished all square, and these two sides will have to do it all over again for a place in the fifth round of the FA Cup. It's finished here at Craven Cottage. Fulham won, Sunderland won. Yeah, absolute cracker. Um, Elsewhere, Leeds uh, avoided an upset. They defeated Accrington's... Accrington Stanley? Uh, 3-1 uh, who are they? Uh, here's Adam Jury. Leeds avoided a potential banana skin by beating Accrington Stanley by three goals to one the hosts tried to make a game out of it but when Leeds went in front on 23 courtesy of a 25 yard rocket from Harrison they were on the back foot the game was ended as a contest on 66 through Furpo and then on 68 Sinistera slotted in the third Adekoya pulled one back on 81 but it was just a consolation as the Whites make it to the fifth round for the first time in seven years full time at the crown ground it finished Accrington 1 Leeds 3 Exactly. Uh, elsewhere, 
Clare, Leicester City just about got the job done away to Walsall 1-0 here's Frank Watson Walsall 0 Leicester City 1 uh, a packed Beskid Stadium unable to roar the home side onto a giant killing it was 0-0 at the break Tielemans missed a penalty for Leicester two minutes into the second half when he hit the post but uh, the deciding goal on 68 minutes Kelechi Iheanacho introduced as a substitute scoring with just his second touch a left foot dipper from 20 yards after he'd been fed by Papi Mendy Walsall hung on they threw everything at Leicester almost conceded a second on several occasions but even went close a couple of times themselves but at the end it was the Premier League side which prevailed and it finished Walsall nil. Leicester City won yeah, and I'll just get a quick confirmation on the rest of the results. There was a draw between Blackburn and Birmingham. It finished 2 also. Another replay there. Bristol City defeated West Brom 3-0. Uh, we heard about Walsall being defeated by Leicester City 1-0 and Leeds defeating Accrington Stanley 3-1 uh, Fulham won Sunderland 0 uh, nil all between Ipswich and Burnley so another replay there and another replay between Luton Town and Grimsby Town it finished 2 all. And another replay between Sheffield Wednesday and Fleetwood Town. That finished one all. And uh, Southampton to Blackpool won, as we heard earlier. Preston, Northendons and Tottenham Hotspur nil all after 12 minutes. United v Reading later on. Uh, now we're, we're going to... Oh, actually, yes, bit of news. Aberdeen have sacked manager Jim Goodwin. Uh, Jim Goodwin, of course, of, uh, of Waterford uh, after being thrashed 6-0 at Hibs in the Scottish Premiership. They also suffered a shock defeat to Minos Darville in the Scottish Cup earlier this week. Rangers 2-0 win against St. Johnson has moved them to within six points of leader Celtic. Ross County are off the bottom after beating fellow strugglers Kilmarnock 3-0 and St. Mirren claimed a 1-0 victory over Motherwell. Uh, right, a few other things to uh, mention. Of course, it's the uh, the championship games in the NFL this weekend. It's the Bengals versus the Chiefs. The Bengals defeating the Bills last weekend. Um, so that sets up, sets up a really good tie. Patrick Mahomes, it, it, it sounds like he's going to be starting, but took a knock to his ankle in the last game. Uh, the most talked about ankle in the world at the moment, it has to be said. Um, but Mahomes versus uh, Joe Burrow is a good old matchup in, in the quarterback uh, rankings. Um, on the other side, in the NFC, it's the Eagles uh, versus the 49ers. I stayed up until 5 o'clock in the morning last Saturday to watch the Giants get absolutely wiped along the floor by the Eagles, um, which was, wasn't was exactly the best use of, use of my time, I must admit. But look, at, uh, it's not often you, you, uh, the Giants are in the divisional round. Um, but yeah, the 49ers on the other side. Uh, it'll be a good matchup. Uh, the Eagles, I suppose, are probably favourites just because they have that sort of momentum and everybody fancied them uh, during the regular season as well. But the 49ers are good. Um, and they're a team that I've experienced now of getting to the, to this stage. Um, Brock Purdy, of course, great story. He was the last player picked in the whole draft last year. I don't know if you were listening to our preview uh, with Colm Crone, you'll have heard us uh, talking about him a couple of weeks ago, but he was the last player picked. He's the 49ers quarterback. It's a real, you know, it's 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 uh, real Roy the Rover stuff. Uh, elsewhere, during the week, you'll be seeing clips and bits and bobs and eventually the full whack of our National Hurling League preview. I sat down today in studio with Shawnee McGrath and Tomas Mulcahy. Great crack. 
uh, here in studio. Um, <laughs> I uh, have to say, I, I, I might have got under their skin a couple of times, uh, waxing lyrical about the bars and how good they've been. Of course, two Glen Rovers men uh, weren't too happy about that. But uh, yeah, really good crack. Uh, some good stories. And uh, it'll be coming out during the week and, of course, as well here on the big red bench next Saturday from 6pm and also next Saturday I uh, have a chat with Patrick Horgan uh, coming out I spoke to Patrick uh, for the launch of the Allianz uh, National uh, Leagues uh, so that's going to be on next week's show it was a good chat with Patrick um, obviously uh, picking his brains and, and to try and gauge what you know what that atmosphere is like in the Cork dressing room heading into the league and it seems very positive and uh, you know, there's a lot of good, good, good kind of signs coming from from the chat. And um, you know, he's Patrick's very relaxed. You know, he doesn't. He's very relaxed, and um, you know, gives very considered answers as well. So uh, yeah, really good chat. And uh, looking forward to bringing you that next weekend. Now, uh, let's turn our attention to a bit of racing and uh, the Hey Hawaria campaign. It's a mental health awareness campaign for particularly for the the equine community um we got in uh we got we we became aware of it through the grassroots gazelle and uh brendan murphy as well uh horse uh horse trainer from Cantark, and uh, he set us up to chat with paul about about the uh campaign and actually this i actually spoke to paul last weekend um he was in nace last weekend uh which you'll hear us uh speaking about but um he had a really good win during the week in gore and actually in the uh I, I, it's it's a particular name of the race. I apologise. I have to. I, I actually forget the name of the race, but uh, the uh, feature race there Thursday in Gorn. Fantastic finish, you know, right to the wire. Uh, just won it by a nose. Um, but uh, yeah, Paul, uh, great to chat to him. Champion jockey, of course. And uh, here he is talking about the Hey Hawaii campaign. All right, I'm delighted to say I'm joined on the line by Paul Townend. Um, Paul is here to discuss with me the Hey Hawaria campaign uh, by the Grassroots Gazelle. It kicked off this month and its aim is to help anyone in the equine community that may be struggling with their mental health. Um, Paul, first of all, thanks a million for joining us on the Big Red Bench. No worries, thanks for having me. Um, how important are campaigns like this? Um... Sure, they are hugely important now. Um, I suppose it's the society we're living in that it's becoming um, a bit more known and spoken about, whereas before it wouldn't have been. So, um, no, it's important to get it out there and um, to, to help anyone at all that, that you possibly can. I spoke to, to trainer Brendan Murphy when we were setting up this chat and he said already there's been a massive reaction and it's clearly filled, uh, filled a void that, that was there in the industry. It has. I think, as I say, I think society in general is um, is kind of catching up with it and it was uh, unspoken about for so long. So, um, no, I think everything that can be done is, is a positive in, in relation to it. You're a champion jockey. You've won the, the gold cup. You've you've achieved the highest of the highs. Can the lows then be even lower because of that? Um, I suppose you know in racing um, you're you're beating a lot more than you're you're winning. So um, yeah, it's 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 a it's it's a high pressure intensity um, game. So yeah, the, the highs are brilliant, but unfortunately you get beaten a lot more times than you win. 
even today I suppose you know um, like sadly Intranet didn't come through in, in the first race in Navin and like for you like for jockeys and for yourself and fellow jockeys that that can take a toll I imagine um, yeah of course um, I suppose yeah unfortunately he was injured and um, that's the the downside of racing but um, yeah and I suppose everything is so much on, on social media and, and uh, media in general I suppose everything is, is, is out there a lot more now than even when I started writing so um, yeah you're you're in the in the public a, a lot What process do you go through or what processes have you gone through in terms of dealing with difficult moments in the saddle? Um, not a lot you kind of get used to it. you kind of take skin I suppose <laughs> eventually um, I'm lucky that I, I I have a very good job and, and very good employers, so um, you know they understand the sport really well. So um, yeah, you kind of develop a, a thick skin, I suppose, towards it, it over time. Injuries, I imagine, can be crushing, obviously physically, but mentally as well. You know, every every sports person when they're on the sidelines, it, it, it can take a toll. You know, all they want to do is to be out there, and um, I suppose the Hey Hawari campaign then can help in the fact that if somebody is struggling, they can just get in touch with somebody and talk about it and try and get through. Uh, you know, they're not on their own to get through the situation. I suppose that's it. Um, yeah the physical pain goes a lot quicker than the mental pain of, of injuries and you're watching horses you should be riding winning with other people and things so um, no that's a, a tough one to, to deal with but um, yeah it goes part and parcel with it I'm, I'm afraid Oshin Murphy is returning to action uh, from a, a lengthy enough uh, suspension and he's spoken really well about his struggles and uh, you'd hope that this campaign might help the next person in Oshin's shoes before maybe they get into uh, situations that, that Oshin has found himself in and uh, and he's spoken really well about how he's dealt with it as well. Yeah, Oshin's very... Um, he, you know, he, he he's very... Uh, popular and, and, and busy on social medias and things like that so someone with as, as big a profile as him speaking out can only um, be positive to a younger person um, that that's looking up to him or, or you know that's, that's feeling that way that doesn't know uh, really how to deal with it have you any advice for uh, younger jockeys or even hurlers, footballers, soccer players, any young sports person when it comes to lo- looking after their mind um, away from their chosen sport? <coughs> Probably the wrong one to ask about it. Um, not really. Just it's it's important. Like the mind is 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 a very uh, it's you know it's it's a very private thing and, and you outwardly you can you can seem fine but um, it, you'd be surprised how many people are, are um, struggling behind the scenes so um, no your your health is your wealth and, and you have to look after yourself um, as, as much as you can and if, if you are struggling uh, there, there is a lot of people out there and uh, a lot of help out there if they are looking for it it's a really busy time for you now coming into, you know, the, the real full swing of, of the season and, uh, you know, exciting months ahead. Obviously, uh, March is a huge month, probably the, the month that every jockey dreams about being involved in. Uh, for you now, over the next couple of months, what does life look like in preparation for all the big races that are coming up? Um, 
Yeah, we have the Dublin Racing Festival first now in a couple of weeks' time, so that's uh, a massive weekend in the Irish calendar. Um, yeah, it's busy. Um, every day we go racing, we have uh, a lot of good rides and, and pressure rides, so um, no, hopefully we can stay in one piece and, and stay safe and hopefully try and unearth a couple of champions in the coming weeks. Obviously, I suppose trainers will already be looking at the likes of Cheltenham and etc. For you as a jockey, do you kind of have to just focus on every meet at a time? Uh, is it worth kind of looking in a couple of months uh, in the distance, considering that you know something could happen uh, just as easily? Um, obviously, you hope it doesn't, but you know you can't look that far in the future, maybe because of the nature of horse racing. That's exactly it. The the jockey and the horses have to stay sound so um, no it's impossible not to be looking forward to, to the big meetings and, and trying to make a plan or, or get an idea of what's what's going where that um, but yeah there's a lot of water to go under the bridge yet I'm afraid and um, yeah you'll, you'll always have one eye on, on the big meetings coming up but um, there's, there, as I said there's a lot of racing to be done before then Absolutely, uh, every hurdle at a time to use uh, a very uh, worn out uh, uh, phrase I suppose in this situation uh, Paul Townend, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you uh, as ambassador for the Hey Hawaii campaign uh, for the Grassroots Gazelle Thanks a minute for joining us on the show Cheers, thanks very much Yeah, absolute privilege to speak to Paul there about all of that Another Corkman, of course, and we'll stick with racing Another Corkman back in the news is Davy Russell decided to cut short his recent retirement following an entry to Gordon Elliott's stable jockey Jack Kennedy uh, Dave Keener caught up with one of Ireland's greatest ever jockeys who now has an excellent book of rides to look forward to at next weekend's Dub- Dublin Racing Festival at Leopardstown Davy, your retirement and your comeback it's been well documented but you're back in the swing now over a week or ten days are you enjoying it as much now as you ever were? Ah, yeah, I am. Look, it's the same, I suppose, riding nice horses and looking forward to a couple of festivals ahead. And from your own point of view, what is it that you enjoy most about it? I remember talking to you before and you just said you love riding horses, you love jumping horses. Is it that and no more? Yeah, basically that, but I suppose, you know, it's, it's much fun unless you're riding winners, you know, and riding nice horses. And Gordon, I were looking at Gordon, as a, and I had a privilege of riding some very, very talented and very good horses, you know, nice big horses, big or small, it doesn't really matter once they have a lot of talent, you know. And I suppose from your own point of view, you were keen to get back on the scoreboard. You did that last weekend. Um, any rustiness at all? I would have thought probably not. It was felt like a bit of a three-week holiday more than a, a three-week um, retirement. Yeah, I suppose that was it. It was more, more so than a break and I didn't have, have to be worrying about anything during it so I was grand and relaxed coming back and I still am and I'm enjoying it as much as ever, you know, and we have all them nice horses to look forward to which is which is, makes it all that more enjoyable. And you're picking and choosing what you're going to ride, I presume, as well. You're going to be, you know, relatively selective but talk to me what it's like to ride a good horse. Is there anything that you can compare it to? Is it like driving a fast car, you press a button and away it goes? You must remember they have kind of have a mind of their own, you know, so... And once you can control that, um, it's 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 it can be scary at times. The same way as uh, you know, one, driving a car that's nearly too quick for your ability. Do you know what I mean? And it's just very hard to explain. You kind of just have to leave them do their thing. And once the best of them can do that in a very controlled manner, and that's really enjoyable when you just kind of have to put them in the right position and get them to relax and 
get them, you know, concentrating on the job ahead of them really is, and once they're doing that, then it's pretty straightforward. And is that a two-way communication between you and the horse, and can you sense that? Yeah, definitely. You you, you, you kind of have to keep things under wraps, you know, within the parade ring and the prelims and during the race. Then if you get a good jump, how much use of it you're going to use, you know, during a race. So there's a, a bit of give and take. And in terms of horses, hard to know yet what Gordon's going to run, but two horses that he's indicated that will run, American Mike, slightly disappointed before Navin, and Mighty Potter, who was so impressive at Christmas time. They're obviously going to be probably two of your best rides, Talk to me about those two horses and what are their strong points? Yeah, look, I suppose I schooled American Mike uh, last week and he's in good form. Um, Mighty Potter is schooled this week. Um, we'll see how he is. Their strong points is they're just very talented. Um, unfortunately, American Mike didn't show his true colours really yet this year, but he, he's in good form at home, but he's got a lot of ground to make up. So, you know, we're hopeful there. Um, but he's in good form now. He feels well and he feels back to himself. So we'll have to see how that goes. And Mighty Potter then obviously has done everything he's been asked so far this year and he's been very good. You know, he's taken really well defences. So hopefully he can put his best foot forward also. And talking about Mighty Potter, the fact that he's had those two runs and impressive wins, uh, would a horse would their confidence be up as a result of that and would they know that they've won definitely better winning than, than finishing second whether the confidence is up I, I, I'm not quite sure it definitely doesn't do them any harm but I, I would feel that if a horse keeps on getting beaten can definitely knock his confidence you know so whether one makes him more confident but I definitely feel that the other definitely takes her confidence away and in terms of timing I think the timing is right it's split between the spring festivals but in terms of competition how much are you looking forward to the fact that it's the best taking on the best on our home patch here and you know what hopefully is going to be winter ground yeah exactly and you know ground is key to it and hopefully they'll all turn up and, and we'll have marvellous racing and it's just brilliant that we can have it at home you know what I mean and showcase all these horses yeah, Davey Russell there speaking ahead of the Dublin Racing Fe- Festival in Leopardstown uh, next week. Of course, uh, back in the saddle after a really quick retirement uh, due to the injury of Jack Kennedy. So uh, best of luck to Davey and of course to Paul Tonant, who we heard from earlier on. Now, after the break, we'll be speaking to Jeremy McCarthy ahead of the beginning of the Allianz National Football League Cork's first game against me tomorrow and the Cork Ladies footballers who are travelling to Kilkenny to face Waterford. Don't go away. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome back to the big red bench here on Cork's Red FM. Aidan Leahy here with you until 7 o'clock. Quick update on the live action at the moment. There's five minutes added on and 71 and a half minutes gone at Cork Park. Dublin leading Kildare 111 to 12 points. It's a close one between the two Leinster sides in Division 2 of the Allianz National Football League and in the FA Cup. Preston North end are holding Tottenham scoreless at home after 33 minutes. United face Reading later on. And now let's turn our attention to how Cork are going to fare out in the National Football League. Of course, they take on Colm O'Rourke's Meath tomorrow. Colm O'Rourke making his um, league debut as, as manager of Meath. Um, you know, a man who we know very well from our TV screens. And uh, I'm gonna start, we're, we're going to hear from Jar his thoughts on how the squad is shaping up, how uh, John Cleary has uh, kind of brought them together, I suppose, over this pre-season 
um, period uh, what Cullum, what Cullum O'Rourke's Meath might bring to Barky Cueve tomorrow and at the end as well uh, we're going to have a, a chat about uh, Cork ladies footballers they're heading to take on Waterford in Kilkenny in the uh, the National Ladies Football League which is a bit strange but it's because the Waterford footballers can't get a pitch to play the game at home in Waterford um, so it is a bizarre situation but uh, one that's not all too uncommon in the GA and in around Ireland at, at the moment. Here's John McCarthy. All right, John McCarthy is on the line for a preview of two big games in the National League this weekend for Cork. And we're going to start off by looking at the men's footballers in their Division 2 National League opener. And uh, we're also going to look, I suppose, at what the, the league may have in store for the Rebels. Jar, um, the perfect start, really, heading into the, the beginning of the league. Meath tomorrow. Um, there's a McGrath up in the bag already. Obviously, look, come in month's time, it's not going to mean much. But I think most importantly, there's a sense of optimism and opportunity. Yeah, and I think that's a fair reflection. I think the word I would use as well on top of that is momentum. It's something Cork don't necessarily are not necessarily used to in terms of football surface at this time of the year. There's usually quite a lot of question marks just before the National League starts. And I've written before in the echo about the fact there seems to be just far too much negativity sometimes. I think you can fall into that trap. And with John Cleary uh, in charge, you know, from the start this year, one thing is pretty obvious. Uh, he's He's got a, a sense of what he wants to do in mind. And the preseason tournament, the McGrath Cup, uh, tells you what you need to do the league tells you where you are. So this will be the first real test, I suppose, of John Cleary's backroom team and where Cork are at this particular time of the year against a, a county with a similar history to ourselves and also in a kind of a similar position, new manager, Colin O'Rourke, coming in. But the McGrath Cup, I suppose, if, if nothing else, Aidan, it's given us, it's given Cork football uh, a sense of momentum. There is obviously a little bit too much excitement for my thinking even at this time of the year. I'm sure John yeah. Cleary feels the same. But you have to put things in perspective. It's rare Cork beat Kerry at senior level. It's just, just a fact of life right now and it's rare that they play so well when they do, irrespective of how strong or weak the opposition is. And I think the same goes for the the, the other two games that came about in that McGrath Cup. They're good for the players involved and a lot of these players as well as you know are involved in Sigerson they're involved in Fitzgibbon. It's quite a busy time for Cork to come through relatively unscathed in terms of injuries the McGrath Cup, to come through with a trophy and to be heading into that Mead game at home which I think is key as well um, it's about as much as John Cleary could ask for at this time of the year, but it's still only his first game in the league. Yeah, exactly. His his first full run at it. Look, we know we know what John's going to bring. We know he's going to give his heart and soul, like all the other managers have before him. But um, that passion he has, well, we don't really see it in post game chats. It is palpable within, though, isn't it? It is, and I think it's 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 instilled since he was you know since he was able since he began playing football for Castlehaven down in West Cork, winning counties, winning all Ireland, and with Cork as well um, it's, football is ingrained he's done a huge amount for the Cork ladies football scene for Aerog ladies club as well um, and he's wanted this position Aidan for a long time and it took a long time to eventually come around to him and I think you know he, he's going to grasp it like all managers and do his level best with it what I like about John though is um, you know he's like any manager he's quite guarded when he's talking to the press but uh, the passion is there on the sideline for anyone that, that's close enough to it you can hear it you can see it he treats every player in my opinion uh, the same way, he'll have a go at Brian Hurley, if he, uh, club mate in Class 11, if he makes a mistake as quickly as he'll have a go at Sean Meehan or maybe Matthew Taylor. Uh, reputations mean nothing. He wants what's best for Cork, like all managers before him. But what I think 
this year gives me a slight hint of optimism and it's only slight and I'm not jumping on the bandwagon like yeah. everybody else <laughs> um, I think I see what he's trying to do and his management team are trying to do and they've got a core uh, a spine as you would uh, down the middle of the team what I mean by that is Michal Martin is in goal now on Sunday he's going to be the number one for the year Daniel O'Mahony from Knock at full back always a problem from position for Cork down through the years has looked really solid there Rory Maguire from Castlehaven is, uh, is, is agile he's quick and he's a good mobile centre back which is something Cork desperately need midfield has been a big boon with Colin McCallum from Mayor Oak and he's partnered well with Ian Maguire as long as they're fit and firing they'll hold down the middle and then the big talking point coming out of the McGrath Cup is Sean Potter from Douglas, having suffered injuries for so long, doing really well in the centre-forward position, unaccustomed as it is for him, and Brian Hurley then full forward. And that spine of that team, which is lining out against Meath on Sunday, has been pretty much solid all the way through the early weeks of the season. Around them, there's pace, there's power, the two full-backs, Mara Shanley and Kevin O'Donnell from Mimor Rangers. It'll be interesting to see how they go on Sunday because they look really good early on in the season, trying to get forward as often as possible. Um, so I like what Cleary is trying to do. There's an attack-minded approach to it. But from Cork's point of view, that's all well and good in January it's, it's, or in February. You know, it's later in the summer when hopefully they'll be up against you know, some pretty packed defences that they're going to have to be smart. Tactics are going to have to be on point, And the subs and the timing of the subs will be key for Cork, I think, this year as well. Something that comes with the territory, which John knows well. But right now, his passion and his drive is one thing. But I think the way he has, uh, John Terry has looked at setting up his team, gives me a slight hint of optimism. There's more focus as well on kick passing, which I think is something Cork football hasn't really been associated with over the last couple of years. Not enough of anyway. So why not? Um, again, though, uh, Sunday's match with me will tell us a lot of where we are because you know you come up against a team with a similar intention of building and how well they did in the National League last year. They got to Division 2 final. Um, Dublin ended there as they ended Cork's uh, All-Ireland run as well so I, do, I don't think there's ever been that much between Cork and Meath when it comes to it so it'll be a good test of where John Cleary is but I like the way he's going about his business I like the way he's building his team around that spine and I like the pace and I like the fact that there are options off the bench so it's a good place to be but it is still just the first game in the league yeah, it's, it, there's a lot of similarities between the footballers and the hurlers, obviously, early on in, in sort of new management. The focus has been almost, first of all, on getting the mentality right and attacking the games in the right frame of mind before going deep into tactical stuff or anything like that. And obviously, with, with modern football, you can just get lost in, in a world of tactics, you know, at, at this stage. So that, that sort of mentality seems to be... That's a big part of it starting off uh, so far in 2023. Yeah, and as I said at the start, like Cork haven't had a lot of reason for optimism over the last few years, but it's too easy to fall into constant negative spin, um, even when there is progress being made. I mean, as I said, we, like quarterfinals of an All-Ireland last year wasn't a bad return, but for a, for a county that hasn't had an All-Ireland in so long, there is always going to be question marks over Cork. When are Cork coming? When are Cork coming back? Um, I do think the options that might be open to John Cleary this year. He might have, he might have more attacking options this year than his predecessors. Yeah. I think that's going to be key. But you're right. At the start of the year, it's about fitness. It's about avoiding injury. It's about game management with colleges going on. And much like the Hurlers with the Fitzgibbon Cup and Cork with the, with the McGrath Cup and with the, with the Sigerson, it's looking after players and getting them ready because, as I said, pre-season tells you what you need to do the league will tell you where you are and the championship will put you on the seat of your arse if you don't get it yeah, right. Yeah. And this year, of all years, Aiden, because the league is so important and a, 
a high league finish in Division 2 is critical for Cork if they've got aspirations to make the much changed championship which will be the Rome Graben All-Ireland Championship they've either got to get to a, a Munster final which requires two very difficult games um, or they've got to do well in the league and Cork uh, I'm being honest have not done well in the league they've survived just about over the last couple of years but they've come into that see, into those league campaigns on the back of fractious sometimes you know disjointed league or pre-seasons that's not the case this year so there's no excuses you know, there's a, there's a good team lining out against me on Sunday in terms of quality, in terms of experience. Um, the likes of Owen McSweeney from Mack Green always getting a run, which I think is great. Brian O'Driscoll from Cora has forced his way in, in, after the starting 15. And up front, we've got weapons. Chris Oak Jones from Wave Larry has been you know, knocking on the door for a few years. He's still quite young. But we've got Sherlock and we've got Hurley, so we can hurt teams. Uh, you know, from freeze, we can hurt teams in different ways. But I think most... I suppose from my point of view, from Cork Football's point of view, the fact that Conor Corbett, who was injured for so long, Cahill, uh, from, uh, from Clyde and Conor as well from Mitchellstone, it'd be interesting to see if they get a run or, and a lengthy run. Killian O'Hanlon's another player a lot of time for from Kilchanik. I think he's a really, really good player. And then you've got experience like in John O'Rourke, you've got Keen Coyley. So look, Cork of options, John yeah. Cleary's probably where he wants to be. Um, but now it's up to the players to go and deliver. But I'm going to be optimistic about it. I think a victory over me this weekend, which I think Cork will achieve, if things go well, um, would be another boost. But that's all. There's some big tests to come as the league goes on. And the first year owns couldn't really be much tougher in Division 2 for Cork. But they're in a good place. And I think they've got players who are fit, who are in good form, and they have a bit of momentum. That's all coming out of the Grad Cup. So all the ingredients are there. they just got to go and deliver them. Yeah, you alluded to uh, to John Cleary's... Um Opposite number uh, tomorrow on the sideline, Colm O'Rourke, a man who we all know very well. We've seen him on our TV screens for the last number of decades, nearly at this stage. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see what he can do with this Mead team. It is, and because you know it's 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 early days for him as well in his in his managerial tenure. Like uh, they've used uh, uh, the Open Cup, uh, even though yeah. a lot of things were going wrong in that particular <laughs> tournament. There was a lot of uh, postponements and whatnot. Some there's been a bit of acrimony about it. But he's kind of in the same position as John Cleary. He's coming in with a new backroom team. But um, what I find very interesting is that he's involving uh, Sean Boylan, who's in, uh, who would have been his manager when Meads were successful. And there's no ba- there's no better manager, uh, I think, in in Mead circles, in Leinster circles, to have on the sideline somebody to look, uh, ask questions, and maybe point things out. He's also intriguing me from my point of view. Um, involved a couple of members of the Mead ladies football team over the last yeah. couple of years, and they've been very successful. So I think Colum is looking. Look, he's been he's been sitting and watching enough football for the last twenty odd years on the on the Sunday game. He he did say, look, he, he wanted the job much like Cleary. It took a bit longer to get there, but he's got a good young team. And like coming down to Cork, the pressure's off. A lot of people will probably think, you know, they should. In me, will probably thinking they should be beating Cork on their recent record. But they've got a good young mobile team. They've got two very very good midfielders in Ronan Jones and Dahi McGowan, um, who I'm looking forward to watching. But especially uh, there's one guy and one name that keeps cropping up a lot in the in the previews and in the newspapers this morning and during the weekend. That's number 14 from Tunshockland. That's Matthew Costello. I've been hearing and, and uh, reading quite a bit about this guy and I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes as well. So much like Cork, they're in a position where, you know, when they get to Leinster, not much is expected because Dublin are probably going to beat them like ourselves with Kerry at the minute. Um, but in terms of a good run in the National League and repeating what they did in 2021, Aidan, like uh, yeah. people forget, you know, that they were in, a, they were in Division 2 uh, with us, but they were in a different group. But they they had some good performances. They edged Westmead, and they they would have been you know they beat uh, a Down, which is never easy. Up, up they went up to Down and beat them there. 
and they were well beaten by Mayo but the fact that they got to a final uh, there was a bit of momentum and then it was only Dublin ended their hopes in Leinster so look O'Rourke has seen enough football he certainly got a reputation uh, for being you know maybe tactically we, we'll find out very quickly it's a bit different on the sideline but yeah, coming yeah. to Cork with nothing to lose um, I think he's picked a very young and, and agile and mobile team so hopefully it'll be a good game but uh, those players that I mentioned and O'Rourke as well it'll be fascinating to see how they go this year You've mentioned a lot of players already and um, I suppose just looking at the league as a whole, the league is always that opportunity, that breeding ground for somebody to come out of the blue, uh, a new player, a new name, you know, a young gun to come up and, and to take a, t- t- to grab a jersey and, and keep hold of it come the, come the championship. Obviously, the likes of Brian Hurley and Ian McGuire are going to be pivotal to how Cork do this year and there's many more that I'm glossing over. Um, but who do you think are those players that may come and make a name for themselves? Um, that's a good question. I think Colm O'Callaghan in midfield from Airog has had a really good preseason. He was very, very impressive against Kerry, not just you know in, in how he played, but the way he took his, his scores. And John Cleary name-checked him in the, in the, we were doing the post-match interviews afterwards in Parky Ring and he did mention that Colm has all these attributes where he's, at, you know, he's very good in the air, he's got a good engine on him, but what he's possibly been lacking in John Cleary's opinion is a bit more finishing. You know, it's something that he can come from midfield and pick off a point here and there, which is important for Cork, especially from long distance when they'll be facing, you know, big mass defences. And I think he's been really impressive the, the two times I've seen him in the flesh, and he's always a good player. So if he can stay injury-free and, you know, nail down that midfield place alongside McGuire, I think Colin McCallum can be very, very important for Cork. Up, up front, you know, I think Chris O'Jones, Brian Hurley and Sherlock seem to be the starting three at the moment, but that's not to say... You know that those positions won't, you know, be be swapped in and out yeah. as the league goes on. And I guess to answer your question directly, Connor Corbett from Clyde Rovers, as a lot of people want to see how he goes this year, had his share of injuries, a lot of injury was, and not unlike Conor Manny from Mitchellstown as well, another fantastic player. I think these guys now have had a good look at it uh, at the senior setup. They've been involved long enough with it. If they can stay injury free, I think there's an option for them, you know, to push their way into even into starting positions. Like I think the the backs and the back six for Cork look pretty settled already but that forward division those forward, those six forwards that are starting even against me and, and possibly for the rest of the league and we're not even talking about some of the players that aren't involved tomorrow which is even good for Cork there's some more players that are, are still in the gym and getting their fighting their way back from fitness but yeah Corbett I think Colin McCallan at the moment would be you know is a very important player for Cork but as the summer goes on and hopefully it'll be a long summer in yeah. I think Conor Corbett um, possibly could be the guy that, that, that makes a few headlines if and when he gets his chance and he he takes his chance that's the key thing um, but I, I certainly think he's a player of immense ability and uh, this, hopefully he'll, have a, he'll get to show that in the league Yeah hopefully a long summer in the right competition as well um, you, you seem pretty confident though tomorrow that the car can go and, and pick up a win <laughs> Yeah I'm trying try to hide the optimism I look um, I, I'm contradicting everything I've just said but if I'm saying I'm overly optimistic I saw enough in the pre-season to suggest to me that the, the new, you know, John Cleary, the players are doing what, are, try, are getting close to what John Cleary wants them to do, getting back in numbers, but they now have the pace and the accuracy to break and counter-attack. What I mean by that is you've got Potter who can carry the ball 50, 40, 50 yards at high speed. You've got Brian O'Driscoll and Owen McSweeney on the 40 alongside him who can probably deliver and have been delivering accurate kick passes. And now you've got more movement in the forward line that's got Sherlock, Brian Hurley and Chris O'Jones currently playing very well but it's a long road um, and it, it, the, the, the league campaign is not easy and I mean we, we've yeah. talked about you know this weekend we've just talked about me but next Sunday you got to go up to Kildare and then after that you got to host the Dubs so the first three games against three 
equally well-stacked Leinster teams could have an effect on the second half of the of the league campaign for Cork. And that second half of that league campaign, Limerick and Clare, back-to-back. Yeah, and yeah. those games are going to be crucial because these are the, these are the teams that Cork must will come up against in Munster, should, may come up against in Munster that may dictate the course of, their, of the rest of their when the championship comes around. And look, Lowe came down last year uh, uh, and put 14 behind the ball and stifled the game. Cork will have to go up there and, and face that. And then their final league game at home to Derry. Derry are on, a, are on a high at the minute. Derry football is on a particular high. That's not going to be easy either. So I think these three games, even though John Cleary would never admit it, are absolutely crucial against the three Leinster teams. I'm confident that Cork, are because of the momentum that they've gained over the early weeks of New Year, will put in a performance against Mead. But if it gets tight and things start to go awry, they've got to keep their heads. And just, you know, a one-point victory will do me. Yeah, this weekend yeah. because it gets them off on the proper foot they've been up to Kildare they faced Kildare enough times um, Dublin or Dublin uh, Dublin Cork that should be a, ma- a fantastic occasion as well for fans but I suppose I'm cautiously optimistic more, but I would admit Aidan that I'm more cautiously optimistic than I have been over the last at this time of the year over the last two or three four seasons even because there's been you know such negativity and there's been things a bit of disarray and you know if players injured and not settling on a team that's not the case this year it gives Cork a fighting chance to put in a good performance and get that win on Sunday against Meath but it requires a performance and then it requires consistency for the remainder of the league and I think if John Carey even got a mid-table finish even though I know he's, he's, he's aiming much higher than that but he got consistent performances from the players heading into the Munster Championship that would do him um, and certainly do Cork at this time of year um, also another big one tomorrow for the uh, Cork Ladies footballers they'll be looking to follow up a huge win over Mayo in their first league game against Waterford and uh, you'll be there yourself Yes uh, on behalf of the big red bench I will be in Kilkenny in uh, in a place called Piltown where they played their previous game uh, Waterford played their previous game uh, for whatever reasons I know Walsh Park is being renovated in Waterford at the moment but I have to say and this is just my opinion not Red Defenders or the big red benches it's pretty bad that you know the Waterford senior league yeah. team can't get a pitch to play a home match in 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 the league. And, it's bizarre uh, enough, but, isn't it? It's unfortunately, no. It's it, you know you're right. Sorry, it is bizarre in 2023, but unfortunately, it's it's not just Waterford. To be fair to them, there are other counties and other yeah. ladies football teams that suffer the same issues as do their senior camogie teams. And look, I don't know the background behind this, but I do know Walsh Park renovation has affected where maybe where other teams are training where Waterford might normally play. But we're heading to Piltdown and Kilkenny, which is on the border. It's not that far over it. But it's still a different county and it's not a good look. Yeah, of more yeah. worrying concern, Aidan, is the state of that pitch. It's something Rory Noonan wrote about in this morning's echo and something I've been hearing about in the build-up to this particular game, that the pitch is not in the best of conditions um, and that that will have an effect on how the game particularly goes. Now, I won't know until I go and stand there and see it uh, on Sunday. But look, from Cork's point of view, there's been such churn uh, and players that have you know retired and players that are not currently involved in the senior setup the likes of Orla Finn uh, Anya Terry O'Sullivan Orla Farmer a lot of experience has gone out of that dressing room so for them to go up to Mayo uh, the team that ended their All-Ireland aspirations last year down in Ennis and a, and a very hard day for Cork Ladies football and to get a victory up there and to come back with it with so many young players involved was a huge boost for Shane Ronan and a huge boost for the team and the squad as well. Um, you know, I don't think much was expected of Cork in the National League this year simply because the likes of Dublin, Kerry, Mead were all expected to possibly dominate and be the, be the be the you know the queens of it once again. But I think the fact that they put in such a positive performance and I think the fact that so many of the younger players 
played particularly well. Um, I think Shane will be absolutely delighted with it as I'm talking about the likes of Abigail Ring and, and Aoife Healy, you know, specifically. And then you've got Derek Henry and, and Rachel Lee, players that, a lot of young players that are starting to find their feet at senior inter-county level, which is huge for Cork. They're going to need them this year. And then you add in the experience of the returning, the two Kylie, uh, Kylies from Valley Rovers and obviously Eric O'Shea's return from Australia is absolutely massive. Um, add in Hannah Looney and then Orla Cahalan, the jewel star, uh, making her appearance as well. There's some options for Shane. There's some good vibes and there's a lot of positivity. A victory over Waterford, who are never easy opponents for Cork over the last number of years, uh, would be very, very important for them. It would be back-to-back wins before next weekend's big one on Bank Holiday Monday uh, when the Dubs roll, in, uh, roll into Cork. And what again, that's going to be. We'll talk about that before that. But yeah. for now, I think the big question marks tomorrow... Uh, for my, I think for Cork, our state of the pitch, you know, what, how that will affect how they how they play. But this is a good Waterford team, and um, they ran Kerry by close. They only lost by a point in their opening game on that same pitch. I know Cork are expecting a very very difficult and uh, tricky game, but the I think the morale boost of the way they beat Mayo the last day should um, should give them you know enough confidence and hopefully enough momentum to make it two wins out of two. Yeah, I think um, there needs to be probably a big discussion on pitches like it's bad when you see Croke Park and the pitch in Croke Park being looking you know like it's 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 being run ragged there needs to be an issue and there needs to be a discussion about I don't know the amount of fixtures the amount the, the, the time of the year that nearly most of the fixtures at this stage in across the three sports the GA uh, or the three organisations shall I say the GA the Camogie Association and and the uh, Ladies Football Association. <laughs> Nearly all of the games are being played between like September to to February, and then a few big games in the actual time of the year that we want to be playing the games. Yeah, it, I mean it's a bigger discussion, I suppose, Aiden, on, on the whole split season as well. I think on paper the split season makes a lot of sense. It gives clubs the time of year that they want, uh, you know, to to get their club championships played, but. We're already seeing no talks of extending you know, the intercounty season by a couple of weeks to allow for later All Ireland's, and it's for the very things that you're talking about. I mean, it's hard enough for intercounty teams to get a pitch to train on, believe it or not, when it comes to senior yeah. ladies football and camogie. And I think what you're going to see over the next five to ten years, and I'm pretty confident of this, you're going to see a lot more astroturf pitches built. I think you're going to see a lot more games, national league games played on them, and uh, simply because there is such demand now for uh, the number of games it'll be very interesting interesting to see when the LGFA the Camogie and the GA come under the one umbrella what will that actually yeah. mean what will that mean will will ladies football and ladies and senior Camogie be treated equally with the men's senior teams when it comes to pitch allocation and fixtures it'll be very very hard I don't know how that's going to work I know a lot of discussion is going on but we're at the stage now where like a case in point I'm heading to Kilkenny tomorrow for a Waterford versus Cork game and, you know, whatever way you look at it, that, that's just not a good look. It's not a good optic. But needs must. And the, yeah. There's so many league games now. It's an extended league in the ladies' football this year. We already, I wrote already in the Echo um, about the fixture pile-up in the first week of January when you've got McGrath Cup, Sigerson, and third-level schools as well getting ready for their particular competitions. Players, really, who are going to be involved in both club and county from now until December for those that go deep into the All-Ireland Championships, January is the month that they should be getting the bodies ready and getting ready. Instead, they're playing more and more games, more and more training sessions, and I don't know where it's all going to end. It's, a, it's very, very messy, and the split season has, I think, I think the split season has been better for the club player, but the inter-county is where the money is and where television rights are yeah, and where yeah. everything happens. 
and I don't think we've had, I don't think this is the last time you and I are going to talk about this no. this year. But at the moment, my big concern, and this goes for Camogie, for uh, footballers and for ladies footballers, is January should not be the month where they're inundated with training sessions, uh, gym sessions, and then college matches and intercounty matches. But that's where we're at. Yeah, and you mentioned the likes of the AstroTurf pitches there. I Another discussion for another day, but also not exactly a great thing. The amount of soft tissue injuries being picked up mm. on the likes of them as well. Look, it's another discussion for another day. All I'll say is you can't bait the soft ground for players to build up the uh, the, the, the muscle and the bodies uh, getting ready for a big season. Look, sure, uh, hopefully it'll be a very positive day tomorrow, uh, regardless of all of that. Uh, two huge games for Cork in the men's and uh, ladies football National Leagues. Uh, thanks a minute for joining us on The Big Red Bench. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM.